I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast with all new podcast equipment. I'm here with Guard Dog Steve. We're looking at the brand new monitor, the new sound equipment, cables. God is good. God is good. He gave us this new monitor. He shelled out a few bucks. but Yeah. After our old one was stolen right out of the studio, we got us a new one. We but do. that's the good news. That is the good news. And the topic we've been talking a lot about, seems like, is this idea that that God is really into manifesting himself, letting our letting his light shine through us for purposes that it's it's like his free press is that's how he does it. It just magnifies his goodness and kindness. It's was, on display. It is on display. One thing about it is in the Old Testament we have that word Hased, I think it's pronounced. C-H-A-C-E-D, I think it is, something mm-hmm. like that, Chassed. Mm-hmm. It's translated loving kindness a lot. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, you're looking at it and you're thinking, well, that doesn't sound like the God of the Old Covenant. There was a guy named David, and he used that word a, a lot. I'm thinking it was in Psalm 23, he says the last verse, everyone knows it. It's the funeral psalm. <laughs> we all get into surely goodness and kindness loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life amen amen and that word follow is not a good translation that word is used almost always as like bad guys pursuing the the same exact word is when pharaoh it says in Exodus, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart again, once again mm-hmm. and caused him to want to chase after them, after the Israel, and catch them and kill them and destroy them. And the word, the word it's used, it's the same word. He, he caused them to follow them. Follow. So it's better translated, relentless pursuit. And David says, your goodness and kindness will relentlessly pursue me all the days of my life. That's a beautiful thing, man. That's a beautiful thing when you catch on to what's actually being said. Praise God. And David was in a bad way in Psalm 23. People were relentlessly pursuing him, led by his son, (laughs) Absalom. And in 27, it makes an interesting statement. He says... Had it not been for your loving kindness, your goodness and mercy, 
had it not been for that, he says, I would have fainted. Did it, knowing that goodness, knowing how good God is, kept David going, kept him from under that kind of pressure and stress. It kept him going from fainting. The joy of the Lord was his strength. The joy of, yes, joy of the, that's one of those capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which is the name of the Lord, which is, I love this word, I am. You could say, I will be, but it doesn't say that, does it? Or I was. (laughs) Or I want to be. I want to be. It's literally I am. It's an in the moment kind of God we serve. And God is really into manifesting his goodness and kindness. In the Old Testament, it talks about goodness and kindness a lot. In the New Testament, or when Jesus came, he demonstrated this goodness and kindness in a word called love. God so loved the world that he gave. It's Love is goodness in action. And kindness is the most practical application of goodness and love. Let me read this word here for you. Okay. It's krestos. It's the word used for kindness. It says, like in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Past tense past tense so it says be kind it's the word crestus and the definition actually says to be employed and by implication to be useful kindness is is the most useful manifestation of love and goodness love is goodness in action kindness is love in the most practical way. It's like when you you help the lady down the street that doesn't have a car and you say, look, I go I go to Publix on Saturday. Give me a list or I'm going to come pick you up. And, mm-hmm. I showed you kindness. I showed you that I can be useful to you. Yes. Something you can... Someone that demonstrates and the way it puts it in Ephesians, it says, Be you kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So when God forgave us for Christ's sake, it's not like he owed us one. (laughs) That was just nothing in it for God. Our debt was to him was monumental. Right. He owed us nothing. Nothing. When you are, as he says, be kind and tender-hearted, forgiving one another, the way Christ forgave you, you're being kind and you're forgiving someone not to get anything out of it or not out of an obligation and certainly not to get points with God or to maybe shun away some of the wrath that you think God is that's how my mind used to work. I'd do something really bad, selfish, and I'd try and maybe do something good, put a little extra money in the offering. And that's not the kind of 
kindness he's talking about, though, is it? No, he's really not. He's talking about manifesting himself way far different than what we think paying somebody back for what they've done for us or how we've harmed them. We're talking about when the Spirit of God takes control of you and makes you useful to the people around you. He makes you kind to the people around you. His kindness shows, it shines, and you appear as his vessel to be a very kind person that everybody gives you credit for, which you should rightfully say, it's not me, it's God. And therefore, as John chapter three says, practice the truth. Because in in context in John three, practicing the truth is telling people that it's God doing the good, not me, the vessel. It's God doing the good. And people see the God of the universe Mm -hmm. manifested, shining through you. The gospel is being proclaimed through your kind acts. That's why we do good things. That's why we do kind acts. Mm -hmm. Not for any other reason, but we're manifesting the God of the universe. Exactly. Say that again. That is the reason we do acts of kindness, acts of his love, is because he is doing it through us. And the and the gospel the gospel is being spread through you. Yes. You become a living letter. In other words, Philippians two thirteen really applies right now in this conversation because Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to accomplish his good pleasure. Yes. Meaning God works in you and causes you to sit, stand up and go outside and be useful to somebody all of a sudden without any burden on yourself you're not dreading it or anything because when christ is working within you to will and do his good pleasure philippians 2 13 i'm trying to pound that in when he's working in you to will and do his good pleasure you are experiencing god you're experiencing god that moment In that moment of that day, you are experiencing none other than the God of the universe. You're experiencing Jesus doing the earthly ministry through you. And you feel very dedicated to getting this, being useful to this person right now. Because it's Jesus in you. He totally wants to do this. And therefore, you totally want to do this. You're not all resentful and aggravated you're not at all because jesus loves to do good the greatest in the world is the servant of all and that's what god wants to do serve us when we catch ourselves serving somebody else it's because the spirit of god has worked in us to will and do that thing and the spirit of god is doing the accomplishments And the Spirit of God never runs out, and it never burns out. No. It it never, like, ah, 
Right. It just doesn't. Mm-mm. It just goes and goes. and It's it's like he held him grace upon grace. I think of it like a, a river where it's just water on top of water on top of water. It just keeps Never flowing. ending. Never ending. And if you take a bucket and scoop out less than a, a thousandth of a second later, you can't even see the impression mm-hmm. that the bucket came Made, out of. It's right. just completely replaced with replaced. new mercy and new kindness in the twinkling of an eye and so when you're living in that loving kindness manifesting itself through you his love his kindness his joy his peace his patience his goodness his faithfulness his self-control people are seeing the god of the universe it's what first and foremost it's the goodness and kindness of god that leads a person to change their mind about god yes it's the goodness and kindness that people see God. And I know there's, I hear it a lot, when you talk about the goodness and kindness, people automatically think there should be some fear first. And they, they go to the proverb, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But you know what that really means, Steve? Mm-hmm. The fear has this definition of terror But it also has the definition in Hebrew thought of this reverence, of this awe, where you want it. You remember when the 12 spies went into the land, they all saw the same thing. And two of them said, God is well able to give us this land, even though there are giants and they're nasty (laughs) giants. And by sight, they can wipe us out. And in reality, they can wipe us out. But two of them, Caleb and Joshua, they wanted to see this fight of fights. They had this fear of God, which isn't really a fear. It's a reverence Reverence. of God. Mm -hmm. And they said, man, this is going to be good. Right. There is a buck kicking coming those giants way. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be amazing to see. God manifest himself in this battle. Right. And God would always do that in the Old Testament. Okay, send them into battle. We got a thousand guys, not too many. (laughs) Yeah, take more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, take more. Use less people. I want to manifest my greatness. Yes. Make it obvious. Make it obvious that this is from God. Yes. And David had the same thought. He said, David had a fear of God, but it wasn't the phobia fear. It was the reverence. Exactly. And he, I think it's in uh, 1 Samuel 15, maybe, when he's going to fight Goliath. And he says, you were with me when the bear attacked. You were with me when the lion attacked. Now, David was a little shepherd boy. He can't handle a, a bear or a lion attack. He was do, doing the classic example of what you're talking about, Bill. He was fearing the Lord and fearing the giant. He was reverencing the Lord in all his power and a little scared of the giant, maybe. But by reverencing all that power, it gave him the courage to attack the giant. And to he get it was, on. <laughs> Let's get it on. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to see the God of the universe manifest himself 
and take this giant head off. And he did. So in a sense, the proverb is true. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But it's the reverence of the Lord. That word is so... Satan did a number on that word. Yeah. We just don't know how many times in the Bible it's talking about just contemplating how awesome God is, just reverencing him. You just... But if you, if you, if you begin a relationship with God, you're discipling someone, and you tell them all these terrifying things, and use that kind of fear, God'll get you if you don't tithe. God, to maintain that type of relationship, you have to keep pouring on mm. more terror and more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. Exactly. You haven't tithed in three weeks. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. I had those thoughts in my head, and I don't blame anyone for. I put those thoughts myself in my in my head, where I just believe that things aren't going to go good for me if I'm not towing the line in all these areas, if I'm not tithing, if I'm not doing good works and being kind and see I. We are promoting these kindness and these good works, but for a total different reason. Because what we're, what we're saying here is, it's just awesome to see God manifest himself. Best thing that there could be, the, be, the best high that there could be, the best, most valuable feeling you could have. There, there's nothing on this planet that is better than what you feel when you manifest God. No, there's not. It's total contentment. You're not feeling like you lack anything. You're not worried about your finances. You're not thinking I'm missing anything because you feel God. And at that moment, you just feel like you have everything you need. It's just, it's going off right now. It's just happening. God is manifesting himself through you, and you know it. That's what all the epistles are about. They're teaching you how to know and recognize when God is manifesting himself. Because for 20 years of my Christian experience, I never even thought of such a concept. And this may be the same for everybody out there in the audience. It was a new concept to me to think that I can really learn about manifesting God. That's what he put his spirit in me to do, to cause me to do the requirements of the law. Remember, God said, I'll make a new covenant with you. I'll put my spirit in you, cause you to walk in my statutes and your sins I'll no longer remember. That's the new covenant. brought down to just a few simple sentences like God did in Ezekiel and Jeremiah. That is one of the biggest... When you realize that the gospel, the good news of the new covenant, releases every person from any accountability to sin, I just want to put my hand over my mouth and go, you don't want to say that. You don't want to take away that fear, fear of accountability for sin because they'll go crazy. And it's actually, I found in my own life, even though that makes sense to me to take, 
to take accountability from sin seems like a dangerous thing to, to say. Slippery slope. It is actually what saved you. It motivates me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go do a bunch of sin because I know I could. Yeah. I Bill, know I'm- I could. I know I could do that and not have any repercussions. I, I I know I can testify for a fact that you learning that you're not under the law and you're not condemned by God absolutely changed your life. I sat there and witnessed it and how you were struggling not to do the wrong thing, struggling so hard and feeling so beat up, miserable about yourself. And then you stopped and, and I saw it. The burden had left. Your shoulders were higher, could walk around. And then from that moment on, I've never done anything but see you just blossom more and more and more each year. And you're a living letter to all the people around you that trusting in God to do it for you, to do it through you, to walk and talk according to this new covenant i'm testifying now that it absolutely saved you and you grew into just the top one percent of good kind people that there is and i hated myself before Mm -hmm. because let's face it when you're living under that kind of that god is keeping you accountable for sin it actually stirs up these the sinful passions in say it you. Again. Yeah, because that's exactly what it does. The I'll more... just say it. Mm-hmm. It made me a phony, right? And I hated myself. Mm-hmm. I hated being mm-hmm. a fake phony. I would just go to church. I, I remember going to totally secular things and just doing crazy things. Didn't even want to do them, and then just going and crying at the end of the night. Yeah. Like, yeah. How could I do that? Why, I, why did I do that? And we now know it's because when you put yourself under that commandment, I have to do it mentality, sin springs to life. It becomes active instead of dormant, and it causes you to do what you don't want to do and not do what you will to do and to do the very thing that you hate, to do the very thing that makes you cry at 2 o'clock in the morning after the night is over. You learned the dynamic that it, causes all that. It lacked any value. Now I just, I have this desire. I love doing kind things for people. I love it. And I you mean, do every day. And I don't feel I'm getting anywhere with it. A I, pleasure. It's just the sheer pleasure of manifesting the spirit of, of Christ. And that's why I do it. And that's why I don't want to be the the yahoo either because mm-hmm. i know that doesn't manifest yep that's what we should do the next podcast on why we do good even though we're under such a beautiful nice covenant now where god is not our taskmaster and he doesn't have his bull whip out and he's not punishing those who don't take this seriously we have the freedom from that burden that the Israelite had for 2,000 years. We've got the freedom from that because we couldn't do it. And God took that yoke 
upon himself to do. And now he does it through us and we don't have the burden anymore. But the next couple of podcasts we should do on, if we don't have the burden, then then why do anything? Why evangelize? Why do anything? I think we should tackle that question again, because we have tackled it before, but it needs to be tackled about every six months. It does. It It's not the activities, but it's the motivation behind the activities is everything. And the motivation behind the activities can take the same activity that's a good thing and make it either silver, gold, or costly stone, or wood, hay, or stubble. Mm-hmm. The very same activity. That's why... We go back to practicing the truth, saying it's God in me who does it, not me. You just saw God. And it's not even like we're walking around, is is that Christ manifesting or is that me trying to get get in good and Mm -hmm. uh, be... uh, Oh, there'll be a bunch of Christians at this mm-hmm. this thing. I'll go. I'll show up. And uh, what did Paul say about that? He said, I, "I don't do that to myself. I don't analyze myself to see if I'm in the Spirit. God's going to show me how many times I was in the Spirit when when it's time for Him to show me." He did so, say that exactly. I know. I, I don't know. even judge myself. Right. He left that to God. Rightfully left that to God. Meaning, I. It's almost like sometimes you don't know, but it, it doesn't matter. You clearly don't know. You you never will and never have. Only God knows. You'll go. You'll drive yourself crazy trying to figure out now. Am I doing this in the spirit or am I doing this? Just do for it for the pat on the back. Just do it. Just do it. Quit with all the overthinking it. I do agree with that. I get that question a lot. Like. Well, how do I know I'm in the spirit? How do I? Well, how do I do it in the spirit mm-hmm. as opposed to doing mm-hmm. it in the flesh? I think that is what we should go over. For th- this should be a series. We'll, we'll do this if we're been set free from sin and been set free from the penalty of sin. There are plenty of legitimate reasons, and we'll go over them. Let me just think for a second and try and remember some of the reasons why. Okay. Okay, I got it. I got it. We we don't want to see ourselves living unrighteously because that would mean that we're not manifesting the spirit of God. We're not manifesting the spirit of Jesus. Horrible thought to for to think about he just won't manifest through me. Well, when we're not acting righteously, he's not manifesting himself through you and it's sad to see it we won't experience christ unless we're walking a model life that's what first john 3 said it said when he appears we will be just like him and you will be just like him when he appears through you all who have this hope purify themselves even as he is pure just just the thought of manifesting his life has a purifying effect on your life. Amen. Amen. You're, you're really so Just stuck. the thought of manifesting it is a purifying right. thought. Right. Because it purifies you from getting on that treadmill again. It does because you're waiting, waiting on the Lord. Lord. Twi- entwining with, with the Lord, Lord as we learned last podcast. Yeah. 
I'm thinking of one in, in James where it says, my brethren, if any among you strays from the truth, and the truth is, is that God does it through us, the one who turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the errors of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Yeah, you just said a, save his soul, which is his mind, mind will, and emotions yeah. from death, that sense of embarrassing himself. That feeling so condemned. He'll, he'll say, the one who turns him back to thinking about it's God who does it through me because I'm in this covenant where he sins in lawless deeds he'll remember no more. The one who turns him back to that thinking is the one that saves his mind from feeling condemned and fearing the Lord, as in scared of the Lord. This is Guardians of Grace in a nutshell. We are here to save people from that feeling of condemnation and dread because they couldn't do it where they're literally scared of the Lord, like Adam and Eve were scared of the Lord, so they hid. Guardians of Grace is here to to break people free from the shame that so many Christians are feeling. Some Christians, they cry at night because they're so ashamed of themselves and their behavior, and they feel like God doesn't want to talk to them anymore. Well, Guardians of Grace is here to, to say, no, that's not true. Your sins and lawless deeds, he'll remember no more when you've had to bad day. We're here to encourage you that God still loves you and that the Spirit himself is saying, the Spirit himself, you guys get a load of that, the Spirit himself has the ministry of righteousness in Corinthians. It ministers to the person who had the bad day. In God's eyes, you are righteous, still righteous, because God chose not to remember your sins and lawless deeds anymore. That's what the Spirit convicts you of. It says it point blank. And the Spirit says, and it was by way of the Spirit wanting to encourage you. Same as guardians of grace. We want to encourage you that God loves you even after a bad day. And he wants to be helpful. He wants to be useful. He wants to be kind and help you live the Christian life or cause you to live the Christian life. I like cause a lot better than help because actually he does everything. That's why it says in Psalms, you've done the work of our hands. Yeah. It's so cool because there's a thought out there that do good, good works. We were, we are new creation created in Christ Jesus to do good works prepared in advance for us to walk in. Now that's walking after the Spirit. It does matter the source that you depend on to do the good works. If you're depending on your own clenching your fist and I'll do it, then you're doing it in the flesh. And uh, Jude gives a, a similar warning to James. Let me Let me just read it. Yeah, while you're getting to it, I'll just say that when you think you're having to do this on your own and and obey the Lord, and then you have, and you give yourself the pat on the back, 
that was all the reward you got. If you, unless you even failed at doing it. Yeah, yeah. But in verse 20, he says, I'm just reading out the NIV, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, it's actually not your faith, it's the faith, singular faith, and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love. Keep yourself in God's love. God's love, not your love. As you wait. Oh, my gosh. Entwine yourself. Mm -hmm. Come one flesh with. As you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life, his life. Be merciful to those who doubt this, though. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corruption, corrupted flesh. He says a lot of negative... Now, he's not condemning a person. No, he's, he's saying not. He's condemning this method of, in your own human strength, going about trying to manifest the life of Christ with the life of Adam. It's not going to work. He says, stop. Do it. Yes. Stop it. Yes. And he says, you, your attitude, you, you should be even hating those detestable acts. Not hating the person. Hating the flesh that tries to mimic the spirit and can't. Yes, it says warn them as pulling them from the fire. You're, you're going to get burned in a way. That's what he's saying. This is, is going to hurt you. So this is serious stuff, but I'm not trying to bring judgment and condemnation. I'm just trying to say it's an awesome thing to live by the, the Spirit's power. It's an awesome privilege to manifest the love of God, and the kindness of God, and the mercy of God. And when you do, people see God. That's the, that is you being a living letter and proclaiming the gospel by doing, letting the Spirit do what the Spirit does in you. If you look back at all the hallmark moments you've had throughout your life, you can probably analyze them and see that, wow, now that I think about it, that was God doing it through me. I was manifesting God because manifesting God will create some of the hallmark moments in your life, things that you'll never forget, the Spirit of God manifesting himself can do that, does do that. And anything else is just wood, hay, and stubble, but it's, it's not only that, you burn out real quick, too. And you never feel good about yourself because you're always, every verb in, in the world, you can't do to perfection. So every verb in the world, there, there's still room to criticize you and make you feel crummy and tell you to try harder. And that is what I see coming out of the radio and the TV here in the 21st century. Just pick a verb and say, you're not doing as good as you should, so try harder. It's just a classic example of Cain and Abel. Cain had a garden. He picked his best produce and offered it to God as a sacrifice. Whereas Abel offered the blood of a lamb, he offered the blood of another. Yes. The blood in the Old Testament speaks of life. Abel offered the life 
of Christ. It, that's what it's a picture of. He, he offered a manifestation of the life of Christ as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Cain offered the works of his hands, his best efforts, and it was rejected by God. It didn't sit well with him. It, it doesn't sit well with the flesh because we get, when, <laughs> when our flesh pours it out, and we expect a reward, we mm. get resentful, mm -hmm. we bite. Yeah, we bite hard. And all of us do it. We do. I've done it many a time. The flesh wants its recognition. If the flesh did something cool, the flesh wants everybody to know that the flesh did it. But, <laughs> but that's not the truth. See, when you're practicing the truth, you say, it's not me who did it, but it was Christ in me who did it. You were seeing Christ. You're glad to do it. There is so much of this New Testament and the epistles, which is the writing of the new covenant, the contract. There is so much to say about practicing the truth and telling people, point out, like Jesus always says, do your good deeds that they may glorify God. Don't get them to glorify you. You make sure they're glorifying God. You, you practice the truth and say, it wasn't me that did an act of kindness to this person. The source of kindness did it through me. God, the source of kindness, did it through me. That is practicing the truth. And you, once you're turned on to the idea, you'll see how, what's the word prevalent? the ideas in, in the epistles. Redundant. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. The, the Bible gets actually redundant about telling you that it's not you in your humanity that is able to accomplish these things. It, the Bible is redundant about encouraging you to use the Spirit's power. It's redundant about saying you're not under the law, but under a grace covenant. There is a excess of repletification in what you just said, Steve. <laughs> that You guys might not laugh, but that, that's a private joke between Bill and I, that, that, how that word replete is, is used all the time. And every by time, someone that has no argument. Yeah, by someone that has no argument. Every time they say the Bible is replete, you know there's nothing in the Bible that even talks about the subject. If they say it's replete, it's not even in the Bible because we've checked it out every time that they, you know, most of the time that they say, oh, the Bible is replete with this. We, we just chat, fact check. It's not there. It's not there. So we have a private joke about replete in the Bible. It's amazing the... Bible nerds, Steve and I are. We, <laughs> someone once told us that money is mentioned more than any other topic no, in the Bible. So funny. That's so funny. Over a thousand times. Yeah. We actually counted. Right. From Genesis to Revelation, anytime. Yeah. Wages, gold, silver, money, and for no other reason just to say we actually checked it out. We were Berean. And that's what we encourage you to do. Be Berean. The Bereans took in the information and then 
confirmed with the Bible that what the preacher was saying was true. Even a book someone mentioned the other day in the Bible that people say, you know, the book of Esther doesn't mention God one time. (laughs) The whole concept is what we just did the whole podcast on. Wrong man out, right man in. Haman was a picture of the flesh. Mordecai was a picture of the Holy Spirit. And God got the right man in and put the wrong man on the gallows. (laughs) Yes. crucified him. So the idea is just replete. (laughs) (laughs) It is, though. It is replete with this notion about flesh and spirit and using the spirit, not the flesh, and giving the the spirit, not the flesh, the credit. Oh, once you have seen it once, you'll see it a thousand times. It is the the new covenant concept. It is. Otherwise, it's, and we've said this before, it's just the old covenant with new words. Yep. Dressed up again. Yeah. Hopefully, that all made sense, or at least part of it, or, or you got some spiritual thoughts expressed in spiritual words, and you were had the ears to hear and the mind to understand the scriptures that we pointed to, because we actually didn't make any statements we just pointed to to the scriptures and and said what the statement was that the bible was doing on that particular page next podcast we'll load up on manifestation verses yes we will We'll, we'll come back to you with some of the manifestation verses and the why a person wouldn't want to see themselves misbehaving or having envy or thinking bad thoughts about other people because it means they're not manifesting the Spirit of God. And that's a sad thing. It's a beautiful thing to manifest the Spirit of God, though. But when you're misbehaving, you are not manifesting the Spirit of God. Amen. You're an ambassador. Yes. For the Spirit, not the flesh. these scriptures showed us something that's pretty cool tonight it was revealing that in our own human strength you can't get the job done but in the power of God you can get the job done and every time you saw yourself get the job done now you know that you were manifesting the God of the universe yes so you learn tonight, we can't do it, but the Spirit can. Is exactly what Jesus said in the last few words of the book of Revelation. He said, let the one who does wrong still do wrong, and let the one who is filthy still be filthy. Let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness, and let the one who is holy Keep himself holy. Do you see? Let the spirit be the spirit and let the flesh be the flesh because it'll never be anything else than what it is. So you might as well accept it. Your flesh is not going to do this and the spirit is going to do this. And that's why Jesus says right after that, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to reward. Render to every man according to what he has done. 
he's coming back with his rewards to give out for all of us who practice the truth and say, I didn't do it, but it was God in me. Although that's how you get your rewards. I didn't do it. It was God in me gives you a reward. That's building, getting costly stones instead of wood and hay and stubble. Amen. Amen. So I simply want to pray that we would take root in this teaching and let the flesh be the flesh, the one who shouldn't be trying to do things for God, and let the spirit be the spirit, the one who always gets it right. May we just take root in that one idea that pointing to the Bible verses gave us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good night, everyone. Good night. We love you.